Welcome to The Gathering Place with Blessed Is She. I'm Jenna Gizar. And I'm Beth Davis. Pull up a chair and grab a drink. Or you could just keep doing what you're doing. Pull up a chair in your heart. (laughs) Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hi, Jenna. Hello. Hi, friend. How is it going? Great. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. Always just happy to be here. Happy to be doing the podcast. Especially happy to see you, my friend, Sister Giovanna from the Sisters of Life. Welcome. So good to be here with you. We're so happy you're here. Sister, we met for the first time in the country of Ireland. That's crazy. Isn't that a great friendship origin story? It's the best. We did the (laughs) retreat together last November, and you were on the second weekend with Sister John Mary, praying your little heart out, and we bonded over our mutual love of St. John the Baptist. (gasps) Cool. (laughs) I want to hear that story. (laughs) I don't even remember how it started, Beth, but... I think you asked me who I was named after, maybe. Yeah. Well, Maeve Carlin said she always asks how you chose your religious name, and there's always an incredible story there. I think that's how it happened. I think so. Would you be willing to share with us? Sure. It's always kind of fun to talk about because unpacking the name is like reliving the graces of a vocation and Mm -hmm. a love story. Because when we talk about our name, it's talking about the Lord's love for us and the name that He chose for us. And it has so much to, has to do with our identity. And it's not something that I even understand now, totally. My name is still a mystery and that's unfolding before me as I live this journey of love with the Lord. So did I tell you that I really have a love for St. Joseph oh at the gosh, time? Oh my gosh, I don't I think so. <laughs> I love St. Joseph. I love him. He's probably the first saint that I ever really fell in love with. Wow. So it just made sense to me in prayer. Like surely the Lord would be naming me Joseph or some Mm. variation of Joseph, Josephine, Josephina, (laughs) something. And I don't know how to explain it other than my heart knew that he was saying, no, that's not your name. It was a little, a bit of a rocky time in our relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just couldn't understand. I said, surely, Lord, you're making a mistake. You know, you gave me this love for Joseph. He's Mm. your foster father. You love him. I love him. (laughs) And uh, surely it's it's something to do with Joseph. And he just kept saying, no, Mm. it's not. (laughs) And so finally, you know, and this is like with most things in me and the Lord, it's when I surrender, I guess it's really that I can finally hear him and mm-hmm. what he's been saying all along. Mm-hmm. It was when I surrendered that I heard him say, your name is John. I was like an earthquake in wow. my heart or a tidal wave tsunami something. I said, John, John who? <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like it to be feminine too, if I could, you yeah. know? <laughs> so I, I kind of moved my heart in that direction and just said, okay. And I hope you tell me more one day. <laughs> And it wasn't too long after that that I really got hit with the memory of a major grace I received when I was discerning in college. At the time, I was studying art history, and I had gone to Florence. And it was then that I had really, you know, in conversation and prayer with the Lord, decided to set this time aside just for Him 
and for me to really talk about our relationship and my vocation and if I had one to religious life. I had major, major graces for my vocation, confirming my vocation while I was in Italy. And so it was when, you know, I'm praying with this and remembering all of this and it hits me that Giovanna is Italian for John. And it was as soon as I remembered that, it was a flood of peace. Mm. And it was a sense of rightness, like remembering something that I've known all along. That kind of an experience. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if y'all have ever had something yes. like that. Yeah. I could just look at you and listen to you talk about that all day. I'm so like <laughs> wrapped in that story. So we met in Ireland on the Blessed Is She retreat. And then the Lord, through sister, arranged for me to have this eight-day silent retreat at your retreat house in Connecticut was like pure grace. I had been desiring to do an eight day. I had tried to make it happen and like, you know, prayerfully had been like, you know, talking to just different people and trying to make connections and it just wasn't working out. And I really only had this one window of time at the beginning of 2020. And, you know, my spiritual director was asking me to do it. And I just said to the Lord, like, you know, this isn't happening. And I thought that's what you wanted, but if it truly is, you just have to do it. And I remember we were just chatting at the podium at the end of the Ireland retreat, and I shared that desire to do an eight day. And you said, Beth, I schedule them. <laughs> so you crazy. all were just so generous and gracious to invite me into your home, really, to make that retreat with your community. So sister, were you on retreat at the same time? I wasn't. And that okay. was so special for me, actually, because I was able to go and get Beth from the airport mm-hmm. when she arrived. Okay. And it just worked out. I didn't know who the lucky sister was going to be who would go and get Beth. I like to whisper my little heart's desires to Jesus and see mm-hmm. if he's good enough to answer them. And yeah. sure enough, I was available. And so I hopped in the car, went to the airport, picked up Beth, drove her to the retreat house. Oh yeah, my gosh. I got to have dinner with her. It was so good to it see you again. Just the greatest. I could cry thinking about it, honestly, to like get off the plane after a very long day. My flight was canceled oh. and I came in like eight hours later than uh-huh. so it's even miraculous that you could still come and get me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then we had this really beautiful conversation on the way to the retreat that ended up being a very important grace for me on the retreat because you shared yeah. about your vocation. Yeah, you talked about that time you spent in Italy that you had really dedicated to discerning and ultimately discerning being sort of code for fall in love with Jesus. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) You shared that when you came back, even though you were confirmed in the vocation to the religious life, there were now temptations against it, you know, and wonderful, not even like terrible, sinful temptations, but Mm. temptations to good that were opposed to the call to religious life that you discerned with the Lord. Yes. So I had actually been in a relationship right before I went over to Florence, and that's what it was. So Mm. I had already this beautiful gift of a relationship. We were both hoping it would lead towards marriage. I loved him. He's wonderful. And at the same time, I felt the Lord calling me, just inviting me to consider being his Mm. And so it was these two beautiful things, and it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know. So uh, that's really the drama, if, you know, if you will, that I was entering yeah. into when I left for Florence. Was I was flying away from a relationship I felt very comfortable in, and that I was hoping would lead towards marriage, and flying towards this great unknown over this huge ocean, and not sure what was awaiting me on the other side. It's beautiful because I can say that love awaited me on both sides of the ocean. That's beautiful. Sister, had you met a sister of life 
before this? Was that your entryway or was it just, can I want to hear everything? <laughs> I grew up in North Florida, which is very much a part of the Bible Belt still. So there aren't really a lot of visible religious in my area. So it was a huge unknown that I felt like the Lord was calling me into. And I had all of these misconceptions about it. And that grace in Italy was pivotal for me. And it was when I came back to the United States and said, okay, you know, I'm open to religious life and you got to help me because I don't know where to start looking, Lord. Okay, wow. (laughs) And that's when I met the Sisters of Life. I was finishing up my senior year in college when I came back from Florence. So I had started working at a crisis pregnancy center when I returned home from my semester abroad. And I love organizing things. My boss was an absolute love. And so she asked me to organize her filing cabinet one day. And on the ground with all of her piles of folders all around me, and I was beginning to organize the contents of her file cabinet. And one of the folders was filled with newsletters from pro-life organizations. And one of them jumped out at me, and it was a couple of years old, but it said at the top, Sisters of Life. Mm-hmm. And my heart kind of froze, and not in fear, but like this, like, oh, who are they? And if it's anyone, it's them. I had never met them. Wow. I had never seen them. All I saw was the name. And so I think that was the Holy Spirit and his breath of life and the revelation of the charism through just reading that and recognizing that my heart was made for that, even just the name. And it was like a recognition. That's kind of how it all started with my relationship with the sisters. The Lord, he speaks <clears throat> through everything. Yes. That's incredible really incredible. Yeah. I'm so grateful you shared that. I think when people share their story, there are universal truths woven throughout. So to hear Mm -hmm. that you in your soul responded to a piece of literature in like a crowded filing cabinet (laughs) means that we don't have to dismiss those things because we see now in retrospect, that was the birth of your vocation in that Mm -hmm. community. Absolutely. But when we're in it, sometimes we're like, well, that was kind of weird, or that was a coincidence. We have a line from a poem that's inscribed on the back of our medals. It says, and nothing would again be casual or small. Everything in our life has God's fingerprints all over it. You know, if we have the time to see it, see his traces of love in and through the ordinary events of our day and the little circumstances that happen. It's so cool to hear too, that you were already working in a crisis pregnancy center. Like so many of the desires of your heart were already aligned with your community because the Lord had been preparing you all along. When I met you all in Ireland, that was actually my first experience with the Sisters of Life. In relationship with you and like spending the time with your community earlier this year, I've really fallen in love with your charism and the way that you embody that charism even Mm. just like my heart in this conversation I just could like weep it just feels like home because you so beautifully incarnate Jesus to me I think because people might associate you with protecting the unborn but maybe not understand like the whole picture Mm -hmm. of what you're about the charism melted my heart too just Mm -hmm. encountering it is life-giving. It's basically, you know, falling in love with life, and life is Christ. Mm. As our founder would say, life is Christ. 
and Christ is life, you know. So even myself, when I thought of or first heard of the Sisters of Life, I kind of assumed that the reach of the charism or the extent of the apostolic activity might be maybe praying outside abortion clinics or walking very closely with women who are pregnant. The charism is so much more than that. Mm. It's so much more than just being about something that's wrong. We're not the anti-abortion sisters. Yes. We're sisters of life mm. because we've fallen in love with Christ and his life is in every human person. We see his image in every single human person and we've fallen in love with his image and want to uphold that in others and allow others to experience the beauty of their soul that is a unique manifestation of the glory of God, unlike any other. There's no other human person like you, Beth, like you, Jenna, like me, you know, from all eternity, you know. And so that just is mind blowing in and of itself when you think about how many people have existed ever since the dawn of creation. Each person has a tremendous capacity for manifesting God's love in a unique way and bringing and making present his love as only they can. That's really kind of, I think, at the heart of the charism and what motivates us in all of our apostolic activities. And I think it was our founder, Cardinal O'Connor, who the grace that he received at the founding of our community and the reception of the charism. I just think it's endlessly fascinating that his reception of the charism happened at a place where life had not been upheld. The dignity of the human person had not been upheld. And it was before his ordination as a bishop that he went and prayed at Dachau, actually, the concentration camp. He, like you, Beth, went to go make a silent retreat before that special time of ordination. And it was when he encountered the brick ovens where so many people had been just treated horrifically, you know, at their final end, you know, and he put his hand in the oven and he said he had a mystical experience of feeling the intermingled ashes of priests and Jew, rabbi, you know, man and woman. And he was struck to the heart and he said, good God, how could human beings do this to one another? really being pierced to the heart at the degradation of human life and the lack of awareness of the sacredness of the human person that Dachau kind of epitomizes, you know. He realized at that moment that he was being invited by the Lord to work for the rest of his life, for the rest of his days, every breath, every minute, to support and defend the sacredness, the sanctity of the human person. So that was kind of the genesis of the charism. But he didn't know at that point that the Lord was going to ask him to found a religious community, which came as a total surprise <laughs> to him. <laughs> One of our sisters says she imagines him being like Abraham, you know, so here's Abraham, you know, ancient of days, 100 years old and being told he's going to have a child. And, you know, Cardinal <laughs> O'Connor at 70 years old was being invited by the Lord to found a religious community of women. You know, wow. He's not a woman. He's never <laughs> been in a religious community. <laughs> so he prayed about it and wrote a letter that he put in the Catholic New York inviting women to consider entering a non-existent religious community. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And kind of thought that no one would respond. And then the letters started coming in. And he realized this was the Lord's idea. And here comes a new journey. What year was that, sister? That was in 1991 when we were founded. So a little bit before that, that he wrote that letter. Oh, my gosh. This June 1st, it'll be 29 years. Wow. It is so far-reaching and so obvious in some ways that there's a real need for life to be enhanced, celebrated, for people to be brought to life. And yet it's 
like sort of subversive almost, this work. There was a lack of that in the world until 1991. I think like you were explaining about the apostolic work, there were maybe anti-abortion movements or ministries, apostolates, like working to protect human life. But when I understood how much more it was than just that, which that would be enough, sister. And yet it's all of it. I've experienced coming to life because of your commitment to the gospel of life. I haven't really felt that in a lot of ways. So I guess that's what I mean of like, when I met you, it suddenly made sense that everyone needs this. Mm. And yet it wasn't expressly being done. What I see so clearly now and couldn't see before was that our culture has really lost a sense of God, Mm. you know, and when you lose a sense of God as creator, always loving us, always holding us in love, in an act of creation, that he's never far from us. We've lost sight of all of that, our culture. We have a priest, moral theologian who would say, you know, when you lose a sense of the God profile, you lose a sense of man. Our lives are sacred and beautiful and wonderful and a revelation of his love and presence in the world. And we can get kind of caught up in doing and producing and kind of trying to prove our worth or establish our worth or create our worth and forgetting that it's always already there. Mm. And that the Lord's inviting us first to remember how good it is to be. It's being overdoing and that receiving his love comes first and that he loved us first and that that's the basis of our identity. And then everything that we do should flow from that. I'm good and precious because I am. You know, I have to be very honest. I don't really think about the world a lot. But I think when I do think about the world and just how sad it is, I can get really, really sad. How do you not fall into despair and just get sad about it all? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it would be untrue if I said that, you know, those things didn't impact me or weigh heavily on my heart. You know, the spiritual maternity is real and everyone I encounter is... Not only my sister or brother in Christ, you know, but also in a mysterious and beautiful way, my child, Mm. you know, so the spiritual maternity is real. And so to see like you as a mother, Jenna, you know, to see one of your children suffering that I'm sure is very difficult and, you know, you you do anything to take that from them. There's a, a similarity there here in religious life. You know, when you see your brother and sister in Christ suffering, your child suffering, you know, you want to take that away from them. Mm -hmm. And that's what I have to remember, even as a sister of life, that this isn't about doing things and being more effective in the apostolate and creating more apostolic activity to change the world and bring Mm. this truth to the world. That's please God that's happening through our apostolic activities and our works, you know, through our evangelization mission and walking with women after they suffered abortion, walking with women while they're pregnant and, and vulnerable and not sure what to do. You know, all of those things, please God, are bearing grapefruit. But just remembering too that it's resting in and standing in the relationship of love that I have with the Lord and allowing Him to do His work in and through me and just trusting that even if all I did was spend my whole day in chapel praying, is just trusting that, that that's efficacious and the Lord is rebuilding the world in love. Love is enormously powerful, you know, whether it's poured out in the chapel or 
in the midst of doing dishes or your daily chores, you know, or everything you're doing with your kids, Jenna, you know, cooking dinner for them or just a daily in and out to do something with love for the Lord is tremendously powerful and has an effect by being united in love with Him. I wanted to ask, Sister, if you would be willing to share the prayer that you pray as a community that we prayed every morning. I forgot how beautiful this prayer is. It's called the prayer for life. Sister, could I read it to you? Would it offend you if I read you your own prayer? (laughs) Okay, actually, let's just pray it together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Eternal Father, source of life, open our hearts to see and desire the beauty of your plan for life and love. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that our love will be generous and self-giving, and we may be blessed with joy. Grant us great trust in your mercy. Forgive us for not receiving your gift of life, and heal us from the effects of the culture of death. Instill in us and in all people a sense of the sacredness of every human life. Inspire our efforts to protect and care for the most vulnerable, especially women who are pregnant, and their unborn children, the sick and the elderly. Strengthen us in the hope that with you nothing is impossible. We ask this in the name of Jesus, who by his cross makes all things new. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mother of Life, pray for us. I love that last line. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. Makes all things new. It's my faith. He sure does. Thank you so much, sister. It was such a joy to meet you. You too, Jenna. Thank you. It's good to see you again, Beth. You too. Can't wait to see you again. It was really great to be with you today. Bye. Okay, bye. bye. Thanks so much for gathering with us here on the Blessed Is She podcast. Send over all your questions using the Anchor app. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us at blessedishe.net slash community and join us on all your favorite social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I love Twitter. Until next time.